Sometimes I wish that we had a lot more time to, uh, during the homily to share, um, because I, I do uh, love the book of Jonah, the book of the prophet Jonah. It is a whale of a tale. Um, there's something quite fishy about it, too. Uh, but uh, I know uh, Lent is coming up, so uh, you'll have to wait for the daily masses of Lent because we have the story of Jonah told almost in its completion. I believe it's like the second week of Lent, uh, the weekday masses. But for now, let it suffice that Jonah was very successful. He's not so happy about that, but he's very successful in bringing conversion to the people of Nineveh, a pagan Gentile city. It's the same... uh, The church pairs that with today's gospel reading purposely because uh, Jesus Christ, this is the first words we hear of Jesus. This is the 14th verse of the first chapter of the gospel of Mark. And the message that Jesus gives at the first is the message that he gives throughout his entire life. And it is the message that ultimately finds its culmination in his death and resurrection. This is a time of fulfillment. That word time, and we as Americans have one concept of time that we tend to forget the other concept. We think of time as things we, uh, again, it's kind of repetitive, but uh, things we keep on our watches or or calendars. Uh, So uh, 8.45, give or take, on the 24th of January, 2021, that kind of time. That's not this kind of time, though. This is a different, this is a completely different word in Greek. And it is, the best translation of it is the pointed time, or the time God has ordained it to be. That time cannot be found on the calendar or a wristwatch, but rather it is the time when all is right and ripe. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand that if you just reach out, you can almost touch it. And of course, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was the kingdom walking. He personified that kingdom of God. But there is a task for us, and that is to repent and to believe in the gospel. And so often with this word repent, we think it means to uh, only to change our, from our life of sin. But the the Greek word is metanoia, and it literally means change of mind. And unfortunately, sometimes our idea of mind changing our mind is too shallow. I I was going to go for a walk, but I decided the weather was too bad, so I didn't. That kind of change of mind. But this is a different different understanding. And this metanoia is really more a change of mindset, that we see the world differently because of something that has happened. Jesus Christ is inviting all of us to have a change of mindset, to see the world different. It might not be a world that, a mindset that is sinful, but one that just needs tweaking, perhaps, to see it as God sees it. Maybe that's that mindset that especially as we recall on on Friday, recalled on Friday, that mindset change that we need in order to see the preciousness of life in all stages of life. Just a a good example. To, To see it as precious. 
This message is made real as Jesus Christ calls Simon and Andrew especially, and that, which is why St. Mark records this uh, immediately. Imagine the scene, though. You're in a, in a boat. You're mending your nets or doing whatever you need to do in order to, uh, in order to be a good fisherman here. Simon and Andrew are casting their nets into the sea. Uh, they mustn't have been too far offshore, but whatever it is, you hear somebody saying, come, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. And you sail back to shore. It doesn't even say they pulled up their nets. Did you catch that? Their, their answering is so immediate. And, and I, I do like to point out so much uh, uh, ink has been spilled. What does it mean that when Jesus invites them to be fishers of men and uh, pages and pages have been written? And I think ultimately it comes down to an understanding, understanding what a fisherman does, especially one who casts a net. They cast net into the, into the lakes or into the sea. They catch fish and pull those fish out of the darkness into the air. The analogy does break down because fish do not live in air. They eventually die, but those fish are then used and useful to the human person. To be a fisher of men is to reach down to the depths of darkness, of sin, of untruth, of lies, to pull humanity out of that depth into the light of truth, into the kingdom of God, where they are not put to death, but given the promise of eternal life. And there, they're useful, useful to God. Maybe Peter, Simon Peter and Andrew understood that immediately, that this is what the Lord was inviting them to. Maybe they, they just were curious, and certainly curiosity is not uh, able to carry them all the way. Eventually, there has to be faith. They have to believe. But maybe it was enough that they started out. And then we have James and John, sons of Zebedee. They're in their, their boat mending the nets with their father and the hired workers. And they abandoned them. Can you imagine what Zebedee would have thought? What are they doing? They're called to follow this itinerant preacher, and they go immediately? What is it? And I find myself reflecting so often, what was it about the invitation of Christ that caused them to respond so readily? Had they encountered him according to St. Mark? No. According to St. John, as we heard last week, of course, uh, John the Baptist points them out, behold, the Lamb of God, but we don't have any of that here. The Lord simply calls, and they simply follow. What was it? Was there a sense of holiness around Jesus that they responded? Well, in Luke's Gospel, in the call of Peter, Peter is terrified. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. What was it? I think they immediately were moved to this change of worldview, that they saw their lives as important as fishing might, might have been to them. They saw themselves called to something more. 
And I do have to admit, I find myself reflecting quite a bit on this passage. That we're not blessed like Simon or Andrew and James and John. We're not blessed like uh, Matthew, who the Lord came into the uh, uh, tax booth and, and started calling him, inviting him. We're not like, even, thank God, like Judas Iscariot. We're not blessed to have the Lord walking with us, calling us in our daily life right now, the way he did to the apostles. But the Lord is calling us. He's calling each of us. He's calling each of us by name. He's inviting us to follow, and and perhaps uh, we are given that same littleness, maybe. Who is this that's calling me? Why should I follow? We're invited to step out in faith to have our worldview completely changed. Because this is a time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is still at hand for us. It's still a little bit out of reach for us. And that's why St. Paul can tell the Corinthians today in, in this second reading, and it's the same word here, the time is running out. From now on, change how you live. We don't want to necessarily do this literally, but those who have wives as not having them, especially the way the world says, well, if you don't have a wife or a, or a husband, you go out and do whatever you want. No, that isn't what St. Paul is talking about. He's talking about chastity. Those who are weeping is not weeping. Those rejoicing is not rejoicing. Those who own things as not owning them. Those who use the world as not using it fully. Found myself reflecting, why would he say fully? Well, we need to use the world somewhat, otherwise, we'll die of hunger and thirst. But we don't use it fully. We have this mindset change that helps us to live in this world knowing that the kingdom of God is coming, that we hear the Lord calling us. He's calling us. Do we have the courage to respond? Honestly, I have to admit, when I first started responding to my vocation, I I thought it was going to make me weird. To a certain extent, it did. That's a bad joke, of course, but but somehow we we think that following the Lord means that we're going to do weird things like swinging off the church chandeliers or standing on street corners and and preaching like uh, a crazy person. Following the Lord does not make us weird. It makes us whole. It makes us who we are supposed to be. Sometimes, according to the uh, idea of the world, that might make us weird. But if all of us are following the Lord, that weirdness is normalized. That we would live differently, which is what weird sometimes means. We, we, We would think differently we would be able to see the truth. And not only that, but because of how we live, people will be attracted to the Lord. Like I said, the Lord isn't walking among us in the flesh, calling us, inviting us, but he is walking with us. In this Eucharist, he is coming into our lives. Do we accept him? And then do we live differently because of his presence in our life? And then do we invite others 
do we invite others to follow him? St. Paul ends with a, really a warning for all of us. The world in its present form is passing away. Why would we want to sell our souls to this world that's passing away when the kingdom of God is just within reach and always just outside of our reach completely? That the Lord is calling us this day to love, to truth, to happiness, 